Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 26th, 2021. It has been 162 days since Tony nominations were announced. I am Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, big weekend for you. You guys have not only one, but two guests coming up on this weekend's This Week on Broadway. You have the writing team of Kerrigan and Loudermilk. Um, you've got I know you've got some other folks lined up coming up uh, in the coming weeks. We're actually going to talk about Kerrigan and Loudermilk in the recommendations at the end of the show. So that's that's what they call in the biz a tease. Mm. Um, but for folks who want to hear that conversation live and potentially submit questions for you at all uh, to ask uh, Kate and Brian, you can do that by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio and Broadway Radio dot com slash Patreon. Um, James, before we get into the news, I just want to mention, um, I didn't include this as like a story, but word around the interwebs is that the Broadway bar characters, which is almost directly across the street from 54 below, has closed. Um, Jennifer Ashley Tepper, recent This Week on Broadway guest, um, has says she reached out to the people who own characters and is investigating if there's anything that can be done to prevent that from happening since she obviously works across the street at 54 below. Um, so no word on that, but if they do end up, you know, kind of saying, well, we're going to do a Kickstarter or something like Birdland and um, the Weston cafe or, or uh, whatever, uh, I screwed that up. Um, we'll let you know. So you can contribute if you want to. I, I was thinking that Jennifer Ashley Tepper was just going to open 54 across that, that's a that's a Robbie Rizel joke. Robbie Robbie said that's what he always thinks of uh, uh, characters as it's fifty four across. I like that good good crossword puzzle jokes. <laughs> All right, what do we have first up in the news? Well, James, we had um, some very big news from Mayor De Blasio as he announced a plan to help reopen theaters. In a speech from City Hall on Thursday, New York City Mayor Bill De Blasio announced a plan. Uh, to get the Big Apple theaters back up and operational as soon as possible. The mayor was joined by Tony winner Andre DeShields and said that in the coming weeks, there are plans for a dedicated vaccination site on Broadway, specifically designated to service members of the theater industry, as well as a mobile unit for off-Broadway workers, in addition to pop-up COVID testing sites by theaters, and additional plans are currently underway to manage crowds before and after shows, once audiences return to theaters. Now, keep in mind that currently New York State uh, vaccine eligibility does not include theater workers specifically unless they meet it in some other you know category. But de Blasio's plans are intended to make the vaccine more accessible to the theater industry as soon as possible. In his statement, Billy D said, quote, it's time to raise the curtain and bring Broadway back. The mayor also reiterated that the aim is to reopen Broadway by the fall. Now, James, um, Ashley, Grace and I have talked about things around this a lot in recent weeks, especially concerning equities, pretty drastic and draconian requirements to return to work. Um, I don't think that theater workers should necessarily move to the front of the line before healthcare workers, first responders, essential workers or educators. But uh, as important as the theater is to the New York City economy, I am totally comfortable with them having the opportunity to get the shot as quickly as possible and for this uh, for the city to make things as painless, no pun intended, to get people tested, vaccinated and back to work as quickly as they can. 
It's interesting that uh, Bill de Blasio would be there with Andre de Shields, who is awesome. We love Andre de Shields, but why not Charlotte St. Martin? Why why not, you know? Uh, James, who are you talking to? Like, seriously, are you really <laughs> going to tee me up like that? I just, they don't, the, the Broadway League is just a, a mess. But um, yeah, I, the Broadway League is dropped the ball, as I think has equity, um, throughout this entire pandemic. And it is not a surprise that if you want to get something done, I would just um, cut them out of the equation altogether. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it seems I, I don't have any facts, but anecdotally, it seems like it's getting much easier to get shots in New York here. So, um, you know, uh, I think that I think that if uh, when you said Billy D, I, I, I of course thought of Billy D. Williams. I didn't of think course. of Bill, Bill De Blasio. You know, <laughs> Billy D. and I uh, we're, we're very close, so I call the mayor then. And so, uh, uh, but uh, you know, if De Blasio is sort of teasing uh, fall, maybe you know you should put a, a press inquiry into the office to find out when the Tony Awards are. Maybe Bill De Blasio has a lead on that. Um. I don't even know who took over at CBS anymore. Maybe we should be calling them. It seems like that's much more in, uh, in their <laughs> camp than Bill's. But, you know, I think what's interesting about this is, James, is that we are now at the end of March. It'll be April in, in less than a week. So if we're saying September, I mean, maybe October, um, I think that means that if this is actually going to happen, we should be starting to hear about things really concretely moving forward in the next month or so, because they're going to want to have time to ramp up ticket sales. They're going to have to get contracts signed because nobody on Broadway has a contract right now. All contracts, at least with uh, performers were, um, um, were nullified after a month with no shows. So they're going to have to start getting casting back together. They're going to have to have rehearsals and depending on what show it is, some might be longer than others. So if we're looking at a September, let's just say a Labor Day reopening, which I think is probably still a little early, but let's just shoot for that at the beginning of September. That means we're, you know, five months away. So I can't imagine they want to do shows without at least a three, four month lead up of ticket sales. So maybe this is just the beginning of people saying, OK, we've got a commitment from the city. Now it's time to start getting plans in gear to get people back on stage. OK, so let's move forward into the next section here. Oh, look. It's our sponsor, Audible.com. I want to remind our listeners that Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. At Audible, you can find the largest selection of audiobooks, original entertainment, and thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. Did we make up the word binge-worthy? No, that is, that is something the cool kids say a lot, James. Okay. Their newest plan, Audible Plus, gives you full access to their popular Plus catalog. Now you can listen to all you want to thousands and thousands of popular audiobooks, original entertainment, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows and exclusive series. And, James, some things that you can only get on Audible. Remember a few years ago, James, when you were doing everything humanly possible to get a ticket to see Springsteen on Broadway? Oh, you got to bring this up? I, yeah, sorry. You never saw it, but you can now listen to it 
via Audible because that is one of the dozens upon dozens of theatrical productions they have in their streaming library. They also have a production of, of, of Lydia Diamond's Stickfly with Justine Bateman, Dulé Hill, a fantastic production of Othello from the Donmar Warehouse starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, Ian McGregor, and Kelly Riley. They've got a production of the uh, Mother Bleeper with the hat with uh, original stars Bobby Cannavale and Chris Rock. They have so much theater. There's nothing. Uh, there's no reason that a theater person should not have a subscription to Audible. Is that Ian McGregor or Ewan McGregor? Ewan. Did I say Ian? You said Ian, but that's okay. It's his right. evil twin brother, Ian. Yeah. So, so visit audible.com slash Broadway Radio or text Broadway Radio to 500-500. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Broadway Radio. That's B-R-O-A-D-R-A-D-I-O. Or text Broadway Radio to 500-500. One more time, visit audible.com slash Broadway Radio or text Broadway Radio to 500-500 to start your 30-day free trial today. All right. Stage and screen star Jessica Walter dies at the age of 80. Yeah, James, unfortunately, we have to get into some sad news today as the Emmy winner Jessica Walter passed away on Wednesday in her sleep at the age of 80. For many people in the last you know decade or two, she was best known for playing Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development and voicing the character of Mallory Archer on the animated adult show Archer. But she has a long history on both stage and screen as well. She made her Broadway debut in the 1960 production of Advice and Consent and appeared in six Broadway productions, including opposite her late husband, Tony winner Ron Liebman, in the original production of Neil Simon's play Rumors. She was last seen on Broadway as Evangeline Harcourt in the 2011 revival of Anything Goes from the Roundabout Theater Company. Her husband, Liebman, uh, who died in 2019, won a Tony for originating the role of Roy Cohn in Angels in America and often co-starred opposite Walter on stage and screen throughout their careers. Walter's death comes just a day after that of fellow stage and screen star George Segal. The two played opposite each other in TV sitcoms where they played either husband and wife or ex-husband and wife on Just Shoot Me and retired at 35, as well as in the classic film Bye Bye Braverman. James, I was never an Arrested Development watcher. Um, That's one of those things that I just never got to. Um, But seeing so many people genuinely moved by Walter's passing on Thursday uh, certainly shows the impact that she and her performance had on folks. So as always, our thoughts are with those who loved her both personally and as a performer. I I wasn't going to say anything here, but I just she was so so funny. And and I, I, I didn't watch a lot of Arrested Development either, but the, the, the clip that's floating around so much is about the banana. Have you seen the banana clip? Oh, I've seen many of the memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when she say, it, it, it's one banana, Michael. What, what could it cost? $10? $10. <laughs> <laughs> very good. It's very good. good. Yeah. All right. What do we have in other news? All right. So I've got three real quick stories for you. First, the Broadway production of The Phantom of the Opera, which I have heard will maintain the original Hal Prince staging, unlike the Hmm. London version, has put out an equity casting notice requesting video submissions for future replacement Christine Dias. I've I've submitted myself. 
Yes, they are looking for Sopranos. Um, they, in addition to it being a soprano, the candidates will also need to be able to sing a G below middle C and high C. Um, and the listing also specifies that candidates can be black, Latina, Manasa, API, indigenous or white. Now, James, as of now, Ali Ewalt is the only actress of color to play Christine on Broadway, at least in a full time role. I, I'm sure there might be some others who have done it um, in, in other productions outside of New York. Um, so I really hope that the production and Tara Rubin casting follow through on this and don't just use this as a publicity stunt because um, that would be really sad. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens from this moving forward. Also, earlier this week, we told you that the Park Avenue Armory's dance production of Bill T. Jones's Afterwardsness had been postponed following the COVID diagnoses of multiple company members. Well, yesterday it was announced that the show will now go on from May 19th to May 26th. And finally, Grammy-winning country music star and former Chicago on Broadway star Jennifer Nettles revealed in a Deadline interview that she is currently working on a musical about the 17th century professional poisoner, Julia Tafana, famous for selling poison to women who wanted to murder their abusive husbands. Nettles said, quote, there are lots of opinions on what she was, depending on who was telling the story. Ultimately, she confessed under torture to aiding in the deaths of over 600 men, which seems a bit ambitious. And we all know what a really great way torture is to get people to tell the truth. I'm sensing some sarcasm there, James. <laughs> um, Nettles continued, in my opinion, she was a liberator of women. Um, now, I think Nettles is super talented. You'll remember when they were doing hints about who was going to take over um, for Waitress when they were doing that, like, fun casting guessing games. I always thought Nettles would have been a really good uh, possibility for that. But in addition to, like, just being a great singer, um, the her band Sugarland, they all they wrote all their songs or at least most of them. So I know she's a fantastic songwriter. Um, so I'm up for this. I know a ton of people are like tired of seeing non-musical theater writers getting shows produced before people who make their their stock and trade writing musicals. But I guess that's showbiz. And at least Nettles has um, at least a little bit of a connection to the musical theater world. So uh, o over in your day job at TCO, uh, have, have you guys ever uh, uh, covered the, the Snapped series? We actually are currently covering Snapped on our Obsessed with Disappeared Patreon. That's with Patrick Hines and Broadway's Ellen Marie Marsh. They are doing season 28 of Snapped currently, yes. So so I, I, I always thought that Snapped would be ripe for a Broadway conversion oh, yeah. there. Yeah, it, or like a um, a song cycle even, doing like a different song per each. Be better than Girl from a North Country. Oh, uh, did I say that out loud? I liked Girl from North Country because what Snapped is, it's about women who murder people, whether it's their loved ones um, or their spouse or somebody else. They um, snap. Their next door neighbor. They snap. Uh, that would be that would actually be like almost, um, you know, uh, um, oh, was it Mike? Who writes the um, the first lady? Who wrote the first lady suite? Is Michael John. Michael John? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like that would be at once he finishes oh, yeah. the wives and the daughters. Do snap. That would be a great uh that would be a great song cycle for Michael John. A snaps sweet. Snap sweet. <laughs> I like it. Snap I like sweet. it. So we'll go from uh our snapped uh into feel good recommendations. 
All right, I have two YouTube videos for you. The first is something that I'm going to be shouting out to all of my linguistic nerds. Um, I, as I've talked about before, I love the TikTok and I love linguistic TikTok, talking about words and how they, you know, language all works. This is unrelated to TikTok, but it is related to linguistics. I found this video that was just released a few days ago by linguist, uh, his name is Tom Scott, and he talks about how Shakespeare doesn't work the same way if it's translated into French. He talks about lexical stress versus prosodic stress and how iambic pentameter doesn't work with the way that French language works. You can obviously translate the words, but it doesn't, doesn't have that iambic pentameter sound that Shakespeare does. It is super nerdy, but super interesting. So if you're interested in that kind of dorky stuff, I recommend that. You never see uh, Gilbert and Sullivan in French, do you? Uh, no, I can't say that I've seen Gilbert and Sullivan in any language other than English, which I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask Aaron Sorkin what his thoughts are. Um, but the other video, as I referenced earlier, is um, in honor of our guest this week on This Week on Broadway, Kerrigan and Laudermilk. This is the great and the good Celia Keenan-Bolger singing one of, if not my favorite, Kerrigan and Laudermilk songs, My Party Dress from the musical Henry and Mudge. It was recorded over 11 years ago. Um, it looks like it's at Birdland, I think. I think it's at Birdland. Um, it is such a fun song to be sung by an adult who's playing a kid, um, which obviously is the stock and trade of Celia Keenan-Bolger. Yeah, um, it's so, so good. And it's uh, it's an adorable song. Obviously, Celia is one of the most adorable humans in the history of the earth. Um, so I highly recommend if you are unfamiliar with Kerrigan and Loudermilk, checking that out uh, before they're on this week on Broadway on Sunday. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up your week with us this Sunday as uh, Matt's been so generously touting uh, Kerrigan and Loudermilk on This Week on Broadway with uh, Michael Portantier, Peter Felicia, and me. And then uh, next week on Monday, Today on Broadway, we'll be back in your ears. We'll talk to you then. Hey, you know, see... I wasn't going to mention it. <laughs>